Hello, friends, and welcome to the Everyday Truth Podcast with Kurt Skelly. We are here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. And we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. Right now, we're studying the book of Revelation in a series called The End is the Beginning. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. And welcome back, my friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. Uh, we are in a brand new chapter uh, this uh, today, Revelation chapter number two. So please find your place there if you can, and let's dive right on in. Revelation chapter two and verse one, the Bible says, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. So last episode, we talked a little bit about what this symbolism means. We talked about the fact that Jesus is the one that is communicating uh, to these churches. Uh, Jesus is the one that's standing in the midst of the, the lampstands. And remember, these lampstands, seven of them, each represent seven churches of Asia Minor. And now we're going to talk to each one of these churches in succession, beginning with the main city of Ephesus. So who is speaking? Jesus. To whom is he speaking? These individual churches. How are these churches represented? By lampstands. And remember, a lampstand had the purpose of simply holding up the light. The, the lampstand was not the illumination source. It was simply the one that held up the illumination source. And that's what we do as local churches. We hold forth the word of life. We hold up the Lord Jesus. People need the light of the gospel of Jesus in their light. It's not that we are the light. We are reflections of the light, which is Jesus. And then the Bible says that he holds in his right hand the seven stars. Did you see that in verse number one? Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. And remember, the seven stars are the angels of the church, uh, of the churches, the messengers. Now, I happen to believe that the angel, the messenger here represents the pastor of the church, but whether it be the pastor or simply a guardian angel of that church, the point is that Jesus is communicating a message through leadership to the local church. And so often that's the way that Jesus communicates even today. I think that's why it's important for us to be faithful uh, to the assembly of our local churches. Why? Because God speaks in and through the process of our local church, our Sunday school classes, our Bible classes, the pulpit. That's not to say that God speaks only through our pastor or only through our spiritual leaders. Obviously, he speaks to us through our own reading of the word of God. And ultimately, it's the spirit of God that illuminates the word of God's meaning to us anyway. The point is that Jesus often uses people to communicate with people. I like the fact that the Bible says that Jesus walks in the midst of the candles of the candlesticks. He walks in the midst of these lampstands. In other words, Jesus is intimately interested in what's happening uh, in our local church. And he's controlling, he's holding, he's guiding. He is the shepherd. Sometimes we talk about the pastor being the shepherd of a local church. And really even that's a misnomer 
because Jesus is the shepherd and pastors uh, of whom I am one, we are simply the under shepherds whom God has placed humanly in a place of positional authority, not, not more important than anybody else, but fulfilling the role that Jesus has given us to do. So what is this message then that Jesus has for this particular local church at Ephesus? Well, a couple things. First of all, understand that Ephesus was the, the chief city of that whole region of Asia Minor. From Ephesus, uh, people would spoke out to the, the inland churches. Uh, for instance, we have heard about the church at Colossae or the church of Laodicea or another church, uh, the church at Hierapolis. All of these churches were located in a place called the Lycus Valley, which was... Uh, inland from Ephesus. And probably these were churches that were started as a result of the ministry that Paul had at Ephesus years before. So in the late 50s, in the 60s AD, the apostle Paul, along with Timothy, on the third missionary journey, started a great church in Ephesus, really probably a series of churches in Ephesus. And remember when Paul wrote Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he said, Timothy, the work's not done there in Ephesus. I want you to abide still there at Ephesus. And there's still teaching that needs to take place. And there's still organization that has to be in place. And Timothy, it's, it's tough. And I know there's opposition. I know that many have departed from the faith. He talks about that in 2 Timothy chapter 1. But Timothy, hang in there as the leader in that area. So a generation before, uh, the Apostle Paul had taken great interest in this church. He had spent two and a half years of his life, longer than any other church. The Apostle Paul had spent time there in Ephesus. That's how strategic that location was. Uh, from Ephesus, the Apostle Paul had written letters to the church at Corinth. It was in Ephesus that Priscilla and Aquila had instructed Apollos. It was in Ephesus that Apollos, uh, Priscilla, and Aquila had started a church in their own house. And so Ephesus features largely uh, in Scripture. Remember, it was from Ephesus that the Apostle Paul met the Ephesian elders there in Acts chapter 20 and gave them such great instruction there at the port city of Miletus. So Ephesus is featured throughout the Bible in a very large way. Uh, the, the, the letter to the Ephesians, obviously, was, was written to Ephesus. The letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy, was written to a man in Ephesus, 2 Timothy. So you might say that Ephesus received all of this good information. Ephesus was known for its doctrinal purity. Remember uh, the book of Ephesians, full, rich with doctrinal content. And is it not interesting that in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul took a great interest in the fact that the church at Ephesus needed to be captured by the love of Christ. Remember the great prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 3 when he said, uh, I want you to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge to know the length and the breadth and the depth and the height and just to be captivated by, to be captured by a motivation of the love of Jesus in your life. Now, all of that is significant. Why? 
because that same church now is receiving another letter 30 years later. So the letter that we're reading here in Revelation chapter 2 is a letter to that same church that had Timothy as a pastor, to that same church uh, that received the letter of the Ephesians. And now, one generation later, we're going to see how this church is doing. You know, that is so often the measure of a mature church. Not, not what has it done in its own generation, but what has it produced in the next generation? Uh, not just the heydays, not just the early days of the church plant or those first few years when growth was just so vibrant, but what's happened now after this church has existed for an entire generation? What is the status, what is the state of the second generation in this church? I preached a message many years ago entitled Second Generationism. And I use this passage of scripture to talk about what are sometimes the earmarks, the benchmarks, I should say, of a second generation church. And I think we're going to find it here in Revelation chapter two. So in the remaining time, look, please, if you would, at verse number two, where the uh, apostle John really writing the words of Jesus says this to that church, I know thy works and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. So the very first thing that Jesus says to this church is a word of, com uh, of commendation. He praises them. I know your works. And can I just say this? Jesus knows your works. One day you'll stand before Jesus Christ and so will I and we will be, we will be judged by our works. Now, that doesn't mean that we work our way to heaven and that works are the way by which we're saved. We know that's not the, the case. But uh, as believers, our works will be examined. Why? Because works are the evident token of our faith. And true faith will always evidence itself in works. Is that not what James taught us in James chapter two, that faith without works is dead? Show me thy faith without thy works. I will show thee, show thee my faith by my works. And so works are an indicator of true faith. So Jesus says to this church, I know thy works. I know what you're doing which is important because sometimes the work that we do for the Lord, the way by which we serve the Lord is unnoticed by people. But what we learn here in Revelation chapter two is that while your work might not be noticed by others, you might have more of a back room kind of ministry. You might have more of a back behind the scenes kind of ministry. Your work is always noticed by the Lord Jesus. So I know thy works. And then the Bible says specifically, I know thy works and thy labor. So I know what goes behind those works. I know that I know what you've put in. I know the energy you expend. I know the time that you invest. I know the labor that is yours. So I know your works. I know your labor. Then he says this, and thy patience. Now, we would use the word patience today to indicate waiting, but patience in the Bible is the word hupomene. 
It means to, to abide under or to put up with, to endure would be a good way to say it today. So what is Jesus saying to this church? Yeah, I know your works. I know your labor. I know that you've hung in there. I know that you've put up with it. I know that you've endured. Now think about it. They're living during perilous days of Roman persecution. They're living in a day when in Ephesus, uh, the, the religion was the temple of Diana, one of the seven wonders of the world, the great temple of Diana. And the, the church of Jesus Christ in Ephesus was just a little startup organization. I mean, for all intents and purposes, it would seem as if God's people were in the minority. God's people were just in the little house churches and the religion of the world was successful and dominant and wow. And yet, what is Jesus saying? Now, I know the reality of it. I know your works and I know your labor. I know how difficult it's been. And you've, you've put up with it. You've done a stellar job. Jesus notices all of that. And then he says in verse number two, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, but thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. So not only have you worked hard, not only have you hung in there, but you've been very doctrinally pure. I mean, you have fastidiously guarded the doctrine of the church. I mean, you dot your fundamental I's, you cross your fundamental T's, you know what you believe, you know why you believe it, you know all your isms and all your ologies, you've got all your verses memorized. I mean, you know how to identify false teaching, heresy, you don't put up with it, your church constitution and statement of faith are just perfect. It would sound as if this church really has it put together. But would it surprise you if I told you that all of this, while it's true and while it's good, is simply prelude to a very scathing rebuke that Jesus will give this church. For although they work hard and although they're doctrinally pure, they have a major, major problem among them. But we're going to have to wait until tomorrow to talk about it. So I hope you have a great day today. Appreciate you joining us as always for the podcast. We'll jump into verse number three of Revelation chapter two tomorrow. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.